very cold. It's cold. Our house is freezing. <sighs> but it's fine. Haley has a blanket and I have wine, so. Mm-hmm. I vaguely look like I should be um, sleeping under a bridge somewhere, but that's my that's my look now. Now that it's winter. Mm. Have you like that picture? Have you seen that picture of Lenny Kravitz wearing the like gigantic scarf? I think it's just a blanket. No, you keep telling me I look like these men that look vaguely homeless <laughs> and honestly rude. Who was the guy you said I looked like last night? Frank Gallagher from the TV show Shameless. Oh God, you showed me. You can't deny it. I feel like I should be a little bit offended, but mm. I'm here. I mean, so. if Frank wasn't dirty and the worst person ever, his style wouldn't be terrible. So I am a garbage person. Like though. I said, you're the clean. You are the cleaner version of Frank Gallagher. Oh, lovely. Still don't know who he is, so I don't know if that's nice or not. <laughs> no, it is. He's very, very dirty. Mmm, fabulous. Well, welcome back to Just Girly Things. Yay! Yay! Where we talk about ladies that are awesome. Here's the thing. We had to start over. We were going to do this yesterday. Oh, we chose the same woman. We somehow, in this a is list... Our, this is our second episode. This is the second episode. There are thousands of women that we have not even... Millions. Millions of women that... Right. Cool. Um, (laughs) Millions of women that we haven't even, like, touched on yet. Millions. And somehow... Somehow. We chose the same goddamn person. Same one. After, like, two hours of research in, Jocelyn goes, how do you spell Dachau? (laughs) And I was like, that's funny. I have a person who's in Dachau, too. And and then there's just kind of this very heavy silence. And I went, is your person Jewish? And she went, no. This is, this is why. This mine. We need to have a better vetting process, like, initially. And then one, two, three, it was the same person. So. Yeah. We learned our lesson, though. Yeah. We definitely checked some, uh, <laughs> some timelines just to make sure that we didn't get the exact same person. I was so angry. You really, you were, f- you were fuming. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I, you were pissed. <laughs> I was very excited about her. I know she's awesome. Whatever. We'll do her someday. We'll come back. We'll to do her. like a, we'll do like a combo, like a double telling. Yeah. We'll combine our, our individual notes. Yeah. And come together and and do her because she really does deserve some credit. She's awesome. She's super cool. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, that's Jocelyn. Oh, yeah, it's Jocelyn, and that's Haley. Me! Okay, who went first last time? Me? I you. Did. You. Yeah, I did. Because we flipped a coin, but we didn't... Okay. Oh, I'm yeah, here. we flipped a coin, and then we didn't decide what meant what, so then I just got to go. Okay, here we go. I have a multimedia presentation for you. How is that helpful? Yeah. Look, you'll get it in just a second. I probably should have opened this before. It's also hard to work um, my arms right now. Haley is now... She's pulling up graphs she no, has no, no. graphs okay she ready? has uh this my person is ready that's a picture do you know who it is josephine baker yes wait josephine baker's awesome yes she is that was a little bit of her music love that okay tell me about her josephine baker for those of you who don't know her we're gonna we're gonna take a little dive into her 
crazy ass life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she really does have quite the existence. Oh yeah. She crazy pants. So yeah. um she was she's an American born French entertainer. Mm-hmm. So uh her mom was adopted by two former slaves in Arkansas and her father not really sure who that is. Um, it's possible it was her mother's, uh, kind of, like, partner in this song and dance show she did. Mm-hmm. It's possible, uh, the scandal. he was a man she worked with. It's possible he was a, um, like, a family member for one of the families she worked for. We don't really know. Uh, she went to her deathbed without telling anyone, so that's fun. We don't really know. I love... Okay, I, like, obviously, deathbed secrets, that's tight. What's even better? Deathbed confessions. True. Can you imagine if she, like, was literally dying and her, like, her family's gathered, they're crying, like, all this stuff, and she just goes, she just goes, Your dad, Elvis Presley. Just kidding, way too early for Elvis Presley. Also, don't throw his name in there like that. We're going to get got by the Presleys. By the Presleys? Elvis Presley was gross. Was he? I know he died on the toilet. That can't be great. He had a stroke on the toilet. That's a move. And I, no, I, honest to God, not even joking, that became a fear for me. (laughs) Like, like, I found that out at, like, a very, like... Were you one of those kids that was afraid of toilets? Uh, porta-potties, because I was small and I felt like I could fall. Not porta-potties, but, like, pit toilets, like, you know, like, camping sites how uh how often do you come into contact with pit toilets well that's what i'm saying is like camping like pit there's a lot at like campsites uh-huh there's a lot of pit toilets no i'm aware and so we went camping a lot when i was a kid okay and so that's where i became familiar with the pit toilet with the pit toilet and i essentially became very terrified of them because i was like oh okay i'm small enough i can fall in here and get stuck in shit a person, act- a kid actually fell into a toilet, like a pit toilet, and was there for like a few days, which is... Days? I Who think- didn't come for them? Okay. okay, maybe it was hours. Don't, uh, don't, uh. but all I'm saying is I <laughs> then learned at a very important age that Elvis died on the toilet, uh-huh. and I grasped onto that nugget of knowledge, and it terrified me for the rest of my life. I was afraid of the loud flushing noise. But that seems pretty normal, though. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Anyways, moving on. Okay. Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker. Her father. We don't really know. There was no Jerry Springer. We don't know who the father is. Maury. Maury Kravitz. Povich. Kravitz. Look, you put it in my head already. It's Sorry. there. Uh, the lost Kravitz. Maury Kravitz. That is definitely the name of a man that sells used cars. Oh, but that's, like, not his real name. That's, like, his fake name. Yeah, Morgan Kravitz! Come on down that's his, like, to the sa- Kravitz town. That's his salesperson name. And he's definitely on the run from oh. the IRS. Anyway. For sure. One of the... The man who um, was part of the song and dance show with her mother kind of was her, like, early surrogate father. And she considers him her father. Oh. But they had their little act that went around in Mississippi... 
in Missouri. Starting when she was about one, they started bringing her on stage with them, and she'd do a little, little shake and little dance. At one? Yeah, at one. That's impressive. I didn't even yeah. have hair at one. Or two. Or three. Or four. Or five. Or 21, or which is where I'm at now. <laughs> Just bald as the day is long. Bald as a ping pong ball. Anyways, she grew up in showbiz. She grew up in, uh, like, really close to a whole bunch of, like, vaudeville theaters and jazz clubs and movie houses. And, um... What a wild childhood. Yeah, well, she didn't really live at home either. Starting at seven... They moved to kind of a bad neighborhood. They're always hungry, always always dressed horribly, always dirty, like kind of going from like meal to meal. She kind of didn't always live at home because there yeah. wasn't Showbiz takes no prisoners, man. Yeah. Um Is that the saying? She dropped out of school at the, in like the 5th grade. Um the article I read called her a street child. Which, uh, a little rude. An urchin, if you will. A, an urchin. I thought that was kind of mean, but anyways. She had, like, a string of working as, like, a uh, like a house child, basically. Yeah. Um, For local white families. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was seven, and I don't know if you've been around a seven-year-old lately, but they're not really great at... Anything. Anything. They're the worst. Uh, not super good at not breaking things or coming to work on time sticky also seven-year-olds yeah what seven-year-olds are you hanging out with sticky ones Mm. they're like always eating like popsicles and stuff Uh, that's a little younger than seven Mm. seven's like second grade you know second graders that are still sticky i mean i feel like okay may okay maybe not i don't know sticky at the age of seven probably because you had no hair good one (laughs) I had beautiful hair when I was in second grade. Thank you very much. After dropping out of uh, fifth grade, she was like, I'm made for showbiz. Uh, like every 11-year-old. Uh, and by 13, she was working at uh, a club called the Old Chauffeur's Club. Uh, you can only imagine what happened there. Probably not great things. Terror. Definitely a lot of uh, peanuts and cigar smoking. smoking. Yeah. Uh, big time smoking old chap lot of uh lot of uh martinis mm-hmm. and secondhand smoke mm-hmm. and racism and a martini was just gin with an olive in it yes basically but like most 13 year olds do uh she met a man got married got divorced then again became a street child because again she was 13 because she's a child look here's the thing tween romances are a whirlwind uh let me and sometimes you get married girl i had my fair share of marriages and divorces yeah uh, seven yeah i'm on seven i you know that was more than me i only had four but i thought i was in the running for you know best catch cougar really by the time you're 15 like Ew, why even bother? Why at that point? you're an old maid. A spinster. You're a, you're a spinster who's never going to find love. Mm-mm. Your eggs are dry. Yeah, there's it's nothing like left up there. Cobwebs. Just <gasps> Yeah. That's your uterus. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. At the age of fifteen. At the age of fifteen. But honestly though, thirteen thirteen was a wild 
was a wild year. Yeah, I had no hair or teeth. That's false. <laughs> I had a little bit of hair, and I was missing four teeth. At at thirteen, I was uh, I was only wearing Hollister. Uh, at thirteen, and one I, of my friends I got my braces. Uh, got such bad cramps in the middle of science class, she literally fainted. That's a true story. Oh God, I love being. I I, used I can to make only my mom, imagine how badly that hurt. She literally fainted from pain. I only had to wear a sports bra. Oh, the That's all I needed. Came in strong. Or like, what was the? What were the cotton ones? They weren't even sports trainers. Bra- training bras. Mm. I was in a training bra, baby. Swinging back and forth, but only a little bit. You Not know? at all. <laughs> I bear. I didn't even need it. The only reason I needed a train. Okay, I'm not going to talk about my 13 year old breasts on this podcast. All right. Well, I mean, on. you should have been married by then. The fact that you weren't. I mean, maybe you should have. Been showing them off a little more. Okay. I'm just saying. I was. Find you a good man. I was. A good 13 year old boy man. Okay, Grandma, thank you. You're welcome. I desperately in love with a boy that wasn't interested. And um, people were desperately in love with me because they thought I was a boy uh, because of said haircut. I got lost. Where are we? Do, 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 do. Uh, soon after, she found work with the Jones Family Band. Uh, couldn't... I mean, that's gotta be what the music right? was. I don't know exactly what one they did. The, one of the... No, one of the kids definitely was, like, playing the giant drum, the harmonica, and the attached cymbals at the knees. Yes, and there was a small, <laughs> tiny Italian girl playing the accordion really fast. Yes! They probably had a monkey, too. A monkey that played the cymbals. That was a thing. Jones they, Family Band. They were a street performance group, which just makes me think um, the Jones Family Band was actually a cult. Uh, That's highly possible. And the cult that just walked around to... Bing, bing, bing! That's the monkey playing the cymbals. much worse cults to be a part of. True, but do you get called Street Child while you're part of them? Street Child, I think, is going to be the name of my next band, just so we're aware. Jones Family Band. Not to be confused with Jim Jones of Jimothy Jonestown. Jonestown. (laughs) Okay. Fast forward to... What if it was Jim Jones? What if Jim Jones was... His first cult was the Jones Family Band? In the 1920s, he was the monkey playing the cymbals. And one day, that monkey would grow up to kill thousands of people. Mm, Like every good monkey wants. Yes. Fast forward two years. I mean, she's already divorced. She's part of a band. At age 15... That's what always happens. We get divorced and we find a band. Another whirlwind romance. Her elder years, yes. Yeah, well, she thought she was going to be a spinster and alone forever. But turns out she met and married her second husband, Willie Baker. Which is where Josephine Baker comes from you're That's welcome a good sign. that's a good sign um she went along with him in a villavon theater uh to new york and kind of started finding success there did you say villavon villavon <laughs> vaudeville yeah theater mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> I think it's this hat. I think it's too tight. It's cutting off your brain circulation. Oh, God. 
<clears throat> she went to New York, started finding some success there. Uh, this is around the time of the Harlem Renaissance, so, you know, big things. Boom, boom, poetry, a lot of snapping. Uh, she got into Broadway as sort of a chorus girl. Really? Uh, yeah, she got pretty famous for her physical comedy, which, same. However, once again, after four lovely years... Got divorced again. So, age 19, two divorces. Boom, boom. Uh, That sounded cooler in my head. That's fine. Than when I said it, but we're just going to move forward here. At age 19, I was legitimately on boyfriend number, like, two. (laughs) Uh, She also, at 19, was having some problems, but it was with her family. Uh, Her Mm. mother wasn't super happy that she uh, had been married and divorced twice by the age of 19. I'm guessing the divorces were more of the issue than the marriages. Uh, yeah, probably. She also wasn't super happy with the fact that she was with the Vaudeville Theaters, which would do blackface comedy shows, except they were black people in blackface. It's like Like, minstrel. white people love that shit, and... I- well, that was pretty... Yeah, that was standard, unfortunately. It but was- it wasn't, like white people doing blackface it was black people doing blackface it was black people doing blackface and then characterizing this idea this stereotypical idea that white people had about black people yeah because it was a way to reach a broader audience of white people who would give them money and that's what they needed and racist is hell okay okay Uh, also, she wasn't super happy with her building fame because it was taking her farther and farther away from home. Classic moms. Yeah. And, (laughs) well, except that, uh, her mom had also, uh, kettle calling the stove black here, uh, had gone through three husbands and now had eight kids. Uh, so she- Mrs. Baker. She, no. Mrs. Made a name twice i didn't write it down um i'm sure someone knows the internet definitely knows it told me i forgot anyways this like issues with her like parents and her like half siblings and stuff kind of encouraged her to move to france with a troop of people that was already kind of going out there that she knew i here's the thing here's what i'll say is i obviously understand that her her need to do this was uh sort of a resort because she was not making it in America and it was, you know, potentially a difficult and tragic decision. However, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> like that sounds like so fun. And I can and I know I'm saying this from a very privileged like <laughs> like you know, realm. However, that sounds dope as fuck. <laughs> Anyway, uh, anyways, uh, France is kind of where she starts to become famous. She's one of very few black performers mm-hmm. in France, and France is kind of like all over that shit. It's the beginning of the Art Deco movement, but in France, it's this fascination with like African culture, the other like deserty culture. There's like a name for it but no i think deserty culture is right that's what it says in all the books so have to go (laughs) with it but because of this she kind of had the monopoly on black performance art 
love that for her. Yeah, and... I mean, lo- don't love that there were no black people. No, that <laughs> in, wasn't great. But, in show business, but I love that she got to be the sort of opener for that. Yeah, and she was truly talented. I mean, um... I've seen her, I've seen her, some of her stuff. Yeah, no, she was, she was crazy famous, um, specifically for, she got into this very, um, like... Uh, erotic like fantasized tribal dancing Hmm. and while if someone did it like today it would be very very problematic they actually the way they did it was they truly thought that was like the representation of african culture and they thought they were doing this like incredible dance movement um with it and she would perform in almost nothing, beaded necklaces and um, a uh, banana skirt. That's a skirt made out of bananas. Yeah, no, yeah. Which okay, I see. Like I, I get that. Also, I know exactly what you're referencing. That's like I think that's probably what most people remember would, her. Would recognize yeah, yeah. her at from. She had an ostrich vest, an ostrich feather tiara, yeah. and a fake banana skirt. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, not the most accurate representation. No. But very whimsical. (laughs) The costume designer did not have to do a lot. Uh, There was no research done whatsoever. Not really. But I love that she sort of, I love that she wasn't afraid to embrace that, like, vulnerability of being that nude oh she was not for it to begin with yeah i uh, would imagine she was like, like i'm not putting my boobies out there and swinging them around in front of all these french white people and they were like no no you don't get it french people they're love like boobies we oui, we oui, uh the french the french loves the boobies we oui, we oui, booby we oui, we oui, booby every french person twist mustache <laughs> twist anyway. mustache um but uh, this like uh set designer she was kind of having a relationship with was like pull him out oh yeah her boyfriend was Whip like it out. <laughs> her boyfriend was really stoked about that yeah, yeah. yeah he was super into i'm it. shocked i know <laughs> but it actually turned into this really beautiful like artistic dance movement yeah the it's awesome so that was cool (laughs) she wasn't super into it to begin with yeah i mean who yeah she started becoming like super rich and famous too like she she got the the boobies make the monies right don't don't stop and (laughs) stop (laughs) and she started getting all these like exotic animals one of it which was a cheetah named chiquita Chiquita the cheetah. I kind of love that, actually. I know. It had a diamond-encrusted collar. Um, So Chiquita, super cool. She was like, let's involve Chiquita in the dance thing. And they were like... That stresses me out. They were like, mm, okay. Uh, and Chiquita was like out there and then was like, I'm a cheetah and they're making me uh, be domestic. So uh, she liked to jump into the orchestra pit and like terrorize... <laughs> musicians on a regular basis like in a fun way or like a scary way i'm not sure because i could easily go terribly i'm thinking a little a little b uh a little bit of fun oh my god there's a cheetah in here (laughs) and a little bit of oh my god there's a cheetah in here and it's eating my leg but in a fun way (laughs) 
banana fun way. Uh, and Josephine Baker thought that was fucking hilarious. And she was like, bring the cheetah back. Let's do the cheetah. And the musicians were like, no more cheetah, please. No more chiquita. That wasn't French, but it's fine. Uh, she loved that thing. It did not love everyone else. Uh, but did it, it love her? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild animal. I'm not really sure Fair it enough. loved. Fair enough. Wild animals don't know how to love humans. Well, also, not really where it should be living. But No, for <clears> sure. <throat> and it shouldn't have to love a human because they're wild animals and they should be in the wild. And that's the hot take. Anyways, uh, she became super famous uh, and also started becoming friends with, like, the biggest names of the time. I mean, she was pers- close personal friends with Ernest Hemingway, Picasso, um, Jean Coteau, who is... Uh, like a really famous French poet, mm-hmm. Shirley Bassey. Uh, she's a famous like jazz singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as well as uh, like Clara Smith. You know, like she, the big names in who were in France and Europe at the time. Yeah, she was like friends with them. Wow. So she, yeah, she was up there with all of the hot shots. Yeah, uh, actors, royalty. Like she was like a big deal. Oh my god. Um, <clears throat> she started appearing in films on opera. She was, like, the most famous woman in France. In, like, Europe at the time, if you knew anything, if you had any interest in entertainment at all, you knew who Josephine Baker was. Yeah. Which is super cool, because not only is she a woman, but she's also uh, African-American. If you were back in America, you'd be having a very different time. <laughs> different experience, yeah. Yeah. Actually, in fact, her, like, fame never quite reached america at the time yeah in fact like very staunch american politics and like ideas of uh female nudity were not big there i was gonna say she really uh not not only was she a woman of color fighting racism she was also a woman of color that wasn't afraid to be uh nude which is like america's nightmare yeah. Um, America's like, put the boobies back. And the French are like, but we love them. They're, they're like, specifically, please put the black boobies back because we're racist. Yeah, that's true. Um, in fact, she's, she had a tour, like, scheduled for America. Uh, but when she went there and started performing, Times Magazine called her a dancing wench. Oh. And a few other very negative words that I will not repeat. Uh, so oh she God. was like, mm, fuck you guys. Um, yeah, go back to fucking France. <laughs> yeah, she canceled her American tour and in fact gave up her citizenship and oh. fully moved to France. That's the dream. Yeah, to give up my American citizenship. Yes, honestly. <laughs> I just need a nice boy I'm taking from Beto, Canada. I'm taking Beto O'Rourke and we're moving to Canada. <laughs> Honey, come on. I'm going to be polyamorous with Beto O'Rourke, his wife, I guess, Justin Trudeau. And Justin Trudeau's wife, I guess. That's a lot of people you're going to have to get on board with yeah, this plan. They're going to be my sister, husband, wives, brothers. Yeah, you map that out a little bit better. We'll come back to it. Uh, I'm just looking for a nice Canadian boy. I'm going to make a PowerPoint. To, that's good. You will, we'll post it somewhere. Twitter. You'll tweet a PowerPoint? <laughs> <At> Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> At Share, Justin Trudeau. Shares shares google slide with bear o'rourke and justin <laughs> trudeau it's a prezi a prezi presentation it like zooms into my nose to be like marry me Amir- i just really think we'd have cute here's kids. all the reasons why you should let me be your other wife Cite- citation I josephine baker 
So, she gives up her citizenship. She moves back to France. She kind of has, um, like, a few few relationships with men. One, she gets kind of married, but she actually doesn't ever get divorced from Willie, Willie Baker. Oh, not, like, officially. Yeah, they just never see each other ever again. Yeah, it's uh, divorce in my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Emotional divorce. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually right before World War II. So, when... France declared war on Germany and German troops started invading. The French military kind of came knocking at her door and they were like, hey, look, uh, you're super famous. Lady Marmalade. That was the exact quote. How did you know that? I know. Were you reading it from my sheet of paper? I may have looked. No, actually what they said is, oh, Josephine Baker. Nope, that was a little bit Hungarian, almost. <laughs> a little bit Eastern European. Yeah. Um, not gonna do an accent, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, it's gonna quickly get away from me. Mm, yeah. But basically, they were like, hey, you have a unique opportunity in that you're super famous. Mm-hmm. The world knows you and loves you and is starstruck by you. And you can kind of go anywhere in the world. In, the, in Europe. Yeah. Anywhere in Europe will welcome you. And because you're doing a show, you can carry all kinds of crap with you. No one will even bat an eye at it. And so they called her an honorary correspondent, which basically means your girl was a motherfucking spy. What? What? Bitch was a spy. Not only was she a spy, she was really good at it. What the? By the end of the war, she had risen to lieutenant in the Free French Air Force. Oh my god. Yeah. Want to hear some of the shit she did? Yes, please. Open the book. She handed out visas to get Jewish immigrants out of Poland and Portugal and Poland, (laughs) uh, as well as Russia. She collected funds for different, um, like, resistance forces in the local areas. She used all of her sheet music. She allowed people to write messages on them in invisible ink, so she was able to get messages across borders that couldn't get across borders at all. What? Like I said, she was internationally loved, so the Germans were like, you're cool, do you want to come perform? And she would go perform in, like, German-run, like, cities and stuff, and take all these fucking pictures, being like, look at me, I'm just, like, on vacation. But she'd also be like, look at how all the military shit's set up. This is where all their tanks are. This is where artillery are. And then she'd take these pictures of, like, what was, like, set up in the battlefield and, like, pictures of, like, different, uh, like, majors and, like, army lieutenants. I don't know. I'm just saying words, but bigwigs, essentially, in the army. And then she'd take these pictures and just so that she'd go through, like, checkpoints or whatever and they wouldn't even bat an eye at her because they'd be like, oh my god, it's Josephine Baker. Uh, But just to be sure nothing got caught, she'd take all these pictures and, like, stuff it in her underwear and stuff because such a move no one would even consider strip searching her even like patting her down they were like no we don't do that and so she just like put the extra secret stuff like all up on herself so by the end of the war she had become a lieutenant and she was also awarded like six different medals and honors by the um french army and like other small like forces around uh western europe 
She also, while she was, like, touring, starting kind of towards the end of World War II, just started adopting children. What? She'd be like, I'll take those two. That one, come with me. Hello, street child, come with me. And by and the end of it... she was just wealthy enough to support all of these kids? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And she was like, I was once a poor child living on the street. Oh, my God. She adopted 12 kids. Yeah, she called them the Rainbow Gang. No. Oh. The, yeah, the Rainbow Gang. Something like that. Oh my god. That's the most wonderful thing I've ever heard. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Pictures of the kids are adorable. Every size, shape, color, age. They're the Rainbow Gang. They're the Rainbow Gang. But another thing, I mean, she was so good at what she did, and she her cr- career actually like soared during World War II <laughs> because she was the only entertainment that could get around Europe, um, that it made... It's way her like fame made its way back to the U.S., and so she was kind of convinced to give the U.S. like another shot. Don't. And she went. <laughs> she went for another tour, which sold out everywhere. Oh. Like the U.S. was all over it. She became like the NAACP's Woman of the Year. She did shows at like the Stork Club and the a different one that was really big in New York that I'm forgetting the name of now. Nice. But, Insert there, she probably did it. Times she Square. Had her, uh, sure. Central yeah. Park. Yeah. The Friends apartment. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, all those places, for sure. She started her own club while she was there. Just casual. Just casually. Um, but at one show at the Stork Club, she was treated really badly by uh, a waiter, and then the manager came out and was like, this is a segregated audience, we don't let black people in here, blah, 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 racism. Classic America. True. Really pulled an American out of their butt. And she was like, fuck you guys, I'm not going to perform here then. And they're like, wait, no, no, do that. And she was like, no, fuck you guys. And the fight became so big that, like, other celebrities and journalists started getting involved. And it blew up so badly that the U.S. pulled her visa and she was essentially banned from the United States for almost a decade. I wish I would be banned by the U.S. But because of this, she got involved in, like, the civil rights movement. So that was super big. And that's kind of what she spent the majority then of her older, like, adult years doing is being involved in civil rights work. Um, <clears throat> she would continue performing and proceeds would go to the NAACP and other organizations. She would refuse to perform at segregated audiences and would kind of force... Uh, theaters to unsegregate if they wanted her to perform there. She would fight off, like, KKK members that would show up. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. I what love is this, her. This, what did I write here? Cycle on the grounds of racism. Okay. Oh, oh, she sued. Oh. She sued several people <laughs> on the grounds of racism. Cycle. Not really sure what I did there. But she sued several people. That was a big thing. Um, the NAACP gave her a Lifetime Member Award. Um, she spoke at the March on Washington right after MLK. And after MLK's um, assassination, his wife actually came to her and like asked her to be his successor. Oh. And she was like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, Which is reasonable. <laughs> yeah. And not not everyone can just do what MLK did. I know, right? 
Um, the other big thing she's kind of known for, which kind of came out, one of her sons wrote a tell-all about her, and oh. one of the things he talked about was she was bisexual. Oh, really? Yes. So she is a queer, queer. woman of color of incredible means. She had four husbands, but she also had many lovers. Yes, she did. Which could have included Frida Kahlo. No fucking way. Mm-hmm. She's mentioned in several of Frida Kahlo's things and also is kind of seen a lot in, like... That would be fucking brilliant. Yeah. Frida Kahlo. Someone... A woman named Brickhead. I'm sorry. Bricktop. <laughs> Brickhead. Brickhead. <laughs> Bricktop! Who, I mean, um, that's not, like, much better, but, like... Bricktop! Bricktop. Not not really sure who it was, but I guess it was, like, another performer who... It doesn't matter. ...was, you guessed it, redhead. Um, Why would I guess that? Because I'm a redhead. Brick? I don't know. Oh! No, that's... You've never been called a brickhead! Uh, no. Carrot Top was the big one. Oh, Which is weird. Which is funny, because Carrot Tops are actually green. Well, I'm going to start calling you Bricktop then, just for... Brickhead. You prefer... I prefer Mrs. Brickhead. Thank you. That's Mrs. Brickhead. <laughs> Mrs. Brickhead is my mother. Please, just call me Brickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Also, uh, Clara Smith was a possible lover. If you don't know who she is, she's a very prolific blues singer. Oh. Uh, and also, a possible lover. Mm. Lovers, Lovers of, of the night. night. Stop. No, 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 brickhead. Lovers of the night. You're welcome. I'm keeping that in, by the way. That's great for everyone. Um. So, <laughs> in 1975, she kind of was coming back and into show business, and she was going to do this like 50 years of show business celebration anniversary tour thing. That was actually such a big hit that it sold out the first night. So much that they had to put, like, folding chairs in to, like, standing room only aisles Oh my god. Yeah. It It was crazy. And it was going to be this big thing where she was going to go on a world tour. And it was going to be kind of like, unite the world for, like, civil rights and yada yada. Um, But four days later, uh, she was found dead. Oh. Yeah. Oh. She had... She was in her bed, surrounded by um, all the papers that had um, given her all her rave reviews, and she had died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Oh. So somewhat peacefully, but well, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> her uh, her life kind of ended very suddenly. Yeah, she was so. I just famous. got M Night Shyamalan by you. What the hell? Yeah, welcome, welcome. Oh. But if you need to feel better about it, she had such a profound impact on the world that she has a long list of portrayals Mm -hmm. from basically every successful woman of color in entertainment has portrayed her at some point or has had her portrayed. Also, a lot of stuff involving Frida Kahlo, a possible lover of the night. Anyways, that's the story of Josephine Baker. That. Wait, I'm going to give you some more Congo music. Is amazing. What an amazing freaking woman. Anyways. That was lovely. 
I am a huge fan of Josephine Baker. I mean, I already was just for like talent purposes, but now I'm even. Dang! I love when ladies become spies. I think that's awesome. Truly. Here's your juice. My grown up juice? Yeah. Thank Russell you. one just handed her wine glass out and was like, fill it up. It's true. Fill it up! So I'm ready. All right. Take a seat. Are you ready to hear the story of Remedios Gomez? Pareso, a.k.a. Commander Liwaway. Tell me, tell me about... All right. Lieutenant Lilu. What was nope. her name? Okay. Uh, Remedios Gomez Pareso. Yeah, yeah, a.k.a. though. Uh, Commander Liwaway. Commander Liwaway. Liwaway. Liwaye. Was born in 1919. Uh, date undetermined. Uh, but the year 1919, uh, in the province town Papanga, which is in the Philippines, um, her father was the provincial mayor, Mm. uh, but sort of other than that, she lived a, uh, normal life as a high school beauty queen. She was gorgeous, so she competed in, like, pageants in her town. Me too. Um, she made... Like, in her spare time, she made dresses. Uh-huh. She loved, like, makeup and perfume. I, they. This is like a story about me. In all the articles, they say that she loved perfume, which I don't know why that was a specific focus, but I think it's just supposed to be, like, look at all these, like, feminine things she enjoyed, I guess. Was but, she stinky? Were they calling her stinky? It's possible. But anyway, that she she was very feminine, very beautiful, um... But she was a normal high schooler until uh, the Huck Rebellion. The Huck? Like Huckleberry Finn? No. So the Huck Balahop Rebellion. Not the same. Occurred. No. So uh, it occurred in uh, during the Japanese, Japanese occupation of the Philippines in 1942. Cool. Um, so essentially what happened is after the, uh, after oh. World War II, Two. Mm-hmm. the Japanese invaded the Philippines and then the the Filipinos decided that that was stupid. So <laughs> they they're like, "Damn, Japan! Why you, you gotta do just, it? <laughs> you do this with the white people over in the U.S. Don't leave fuck it, with us. Leave us alone." Yeah. Um, but anyway, one of my notes just says, "Fuck you, post World War II government." <laughs> it was trash. It's real. Um. So basically, what happened is the Filipinos were like, "We don't want this." please leave us alone. So they sort of, uh, so they started to drive them out with like rebellions and all that kind of thing and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it eventually became a civil war Mm. and it just became sort of bloodshed. So, but this, so in general, this entire, it's called the Huck Rebellion, but it's really sort of a, a war against the Japanese occupation. Gotcha. I mean, it's called a rebellion because pretty much every, like, most people in the Philippines were like, fuck you, we're gonna, we don't want this. Um, I don't understand, that sounds horrible. (laughs) Uh, And it all sort of just went to shit, and uh, they, the sort of, the Huck Huck resistance was known for their, like, guerrilla warfare. So it was very violent, very bloody, multiple casualties, and then eventually people started getting arrested by the Philippines government, um, and of course, the United States got involved. Of course, of course, because it, it we literally... can't just hear something and be like, mm, maybe we should just let them figure out. Some some <laughs> some fucking dude in the military was like, hey, hey, it literally don't, don't do that. It literally says uh, the Philippine government, prompted by the United States of America, oh my god, uh, disarmed and arrested the Hucks. 
for allegedly being communists. The U.S. Oh my God, the, the fucking U- communists. <laughs> the U.S. is like the guy at the bar that sees a, a fight going on and then like tries to break it up by joining the Instead fight. Instead of just calling the police. Yeah, yeah. Like the U.S. is the guy that's like, babe, I gotta go break up this fight. And, and then the U.S.'s girlfriend everybody. is like, please, which is Canada, which is the U.S.'s girlfriend, is like, please just stop. Just stop what you're doing. The U.S. is like, nah, man, we gotta break this up. What are you guys doing over here? And then it's like a world war. Factual. Those and are facts. And that's my take on World War Two. <laughs> Am- wow, amazing. I'm a historian, um, so. Anyway, so essentially, this was going on at the time that Remedios was in high school, and so when the Japanese came and invaded her province, mm-hmm. um, her father, being the mayor, sort of started this rebellion against the Japanese. He was absolutely brutally murdered by the Japanese. Oh! Um, yeah. I I don't... The full details aren't known for sure, but it is said that he was... His body was at one point displayed in, like, the town square as sort of a warning to Usually stop the Usually when a body Hawk is rebellion. used as a warning, it's not because it looks real good. No. But... Because of this, she decided that she was going to avenge the death of her father. My name is Enrico Montoya. And Enrico Montoya, yes. So, she went, as I said, full Tarantino. Oh. Joined the guerrilla forces with no military training and barely a high school education. She killed build them. She did. She killed build them. So, she's like, I, I don't know exactly what what age she would have been at this point but in high school age like late in, teens yeah late teens joined fucking guerrilla forces <laughs> as a teenager with little education that must have been a crazy like job aptitude test they're like look uh what's her first name what's her first name again remedios remedios you could be a uh data uh, no. analyst no accent or you could <laughs> Join guerrilla warfare. And she was like, you know what? Uh, I'm not really a white collar kind of gal. Also, I got to avenge the death of my father real quick. I'm going to do guerrilla warfare. I'm going to take a gap year. I'm going to take a gap year. And do uh, some guerrilla Find war- myself. I'm going to find per- myself in the guerrilla per- warfare. Personal growth. Okay. Anyway. So she went in. Uh, she uh, started out as a nurse, which was not uncommon. So about yeah. 10% of those who fought in the Huck Rebellion were women. So they fought at, or they started, they were like medics, and uh, not a lot of them were like on the front lines. Mm -hmm. 10% of them were women, and they were incredibly helpful to this entire uh, movement. So, she was one of them. She started out as a nurse, but then eventually became so good that she was given her own squadron of over 200 men. Oh, shit. Uh, and then she took the name of uh, Commander Leibaway, which means Commander Dawn, mm. which is fucking awesome. Mm. Um, and so then she basically took her men around as their... And fuck shit! <laughs> as uh. their commander, and she fought in battles all over uh, Papanga, which was her province, Mm -hmm. um, Tarlac, and Zambales, which are all provinces in the Philippines. Um, And then the most famous of these uh, that had her involved 
was the Battle of uh, Comanche. Mm -hmm. So essentially what happened is the rebel forces were uh, preparing to fight the Japanese. Mm Mm-hmm. And the one of the commanders was kept telling them to, like, cease fire and retreat. Mm-hmm. However, uh, Commander Liwa Ye... He's like, I'm sorry, you can't hear you? No, no, no. Um, Her voice was louder. Oh. <laughs> so she told them to hold the line. Uh-huh. And they fucking obliterated the Japanese. Oh, jeez. And this commander rolled up eventually the other one and realized that they were winning this fucking <laughs> war and she was just like whatever like hair flip <laughs> and actually though because so we're coming to the end of her story because there's really not a lot of information on her uh-huh. but maybe one of the best parts about this is that every time she was about to take her men into battle she would do her hair buff her nails Oh, fuck. And put on red lipstick. Oh, shit. A bold lip. And she would charge her fucking men into battle, always wearing a red lip, <gasps> and just was, like, incredibly intelligent and, inc- like, all of these insane, you know, great qualities, but she did it all in red lipstick, and people were like, why do you do this? Like, why are you doing yourself up? And one of her quotes paraphrase was basically like i'm fighting for my own freedom to be myself and this is being myself so i'm gonna keep fucking doing this oh girl put on that bold lip put on the fucking combat boots get your hair did go out with an ak-47 yeah yeah so she is sort of known as like the commander who wore red lipstick that is the quintessential definition of just girly things. Yeah, right? Am I right? She's putting on a bold she's lip our, and, and taking going down. In, and going to battle. Yeah. Put on a bold lip and go to battle. Fuck. You know, of course, she always had critics because it seemed... She's a woman. And- uh, yeah, well, and it seemed silly to do all of this. But a lot of people were incredibly m- empowered by the fact that, like, she never really let go of her femininity. Mm-hmm. Like, we see a lot of portrayals of, like, female military leaders and all this stuff. And, you know, a lot of them are sort of reduced to essentially very masculine women. Like, yeah. this is the representation that we're receiving. But she was like, no, fuck you. I'm a woman and I'm a commander. Yeah. I'm a beautiful, I'm a beauty queen and a lieutenant in battle. Yeah. Which is, like, the most incredible thing. So, people, of course, people, like, revered her because she never lost her femininity despite all of this that was happening. Yeah. And she was always just, she was just incredibly calm and uh, very strong. And she never showed fear. And she had a bunch of different victories. She was... She was captured a few times, and then at one point her husband was murdered, so she left the war to raise her kids, so mm-hmm. she went to be, went on to She be handed a, her bold lip over to the someone next, else? Yeah, the next gen, uh, and went on to raise her children, and... Uh, she was like, Dave, I entrust Squadron 256 to you, as well as my bold lip. And he was like, thank you, but I, I'm not really a lipstick guy. She's like, no. You, you have, have to. You have to put it on. He's like, you know, I get it. Like, it was cool when you did it. I just don't think I have, like, it's not my, really my color. And she was like, put on the, the bold goddamn lip. bold lip. 
And he was like, okay. It was like putting on the lipstick. And then she was like, do the thing. Do the... And he was like, and she was like, that's right, Dave. Give a little slap on the face. Good job, bud. And a slap on the butt. And he went off. Went off to battle. But, uh, so even, so even when she left war, she sort of became an advocate for soldiers and for veterans. She... And for a bold lip. Yeah, well, that was clear, obviously. Mm. Um, but she helped veterans, like, fill out paperwork and lobby for better pension. Yes! And so she was just a big advocate because she sort of, she saw what they went through. Yeah. Literally. Um, <laughs> and yeah. knew that they deserved more than they were that they were getting, which I think is still, you know, something that we see even now. Yeah. Um, and uh, she died uh, in 2014 at wow. the age of 95. Dang. Uh, in the Philippines. Clutching her. Clutching her lipstick. Yeah, that she got back from Dave because <laughs> he just couldn't do it right. Yeah. He was really more of a spring than an autumn. Yeah, he's got yellow undertones. She had pink. <laughs> it just um, doesn't mix. But anyway, so that that is the short but no less incredible story of Remedios Gomez Pereos, a.k.a. Commander Liwige. Remedios, my girl! Yes! I love it! Right? I love it! She's fucking awesome. Also, in my mind, um, she makes, like, a really big, like, Mongo guy carry her into battle. And she's like, get it! She's like, like on his... Popping people as yeah. she goes. Yeah. Maybe she's in, like, a Bjorn kind of thing and boom, boom, boom. Yeah. But it's terrifying. But she's always got her bold lip. Yes, she does. Her bold lip and an extra magazine. Not like a magazine you read, but like a bullets. No, I know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's just reading us she's weekly. She's like, let's get it. Us weekly while she's on the battlefield. She's like, she's like, good fighting, guys. She's like, oh, are you a Pisces or a Sagittarius, Dave? Dave. He's like putting on lipstick. He's like, I hate this job. He's like, I, she's like, I know you're a Libra rising. I can tell. What's what's your son? Do you have a son? <laughs> No, not an S O N son, an S U N. What's your like? What's a, your son? Are you like an son? Aries rising? What are you? You're not an Aries rising. But yeah, she definitely. Uh, there's not a lot of information on her mm. because I don't know. I actually don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly, I'm sure there's there a really good book on her. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there. I yeah, think girls there is. don't have time for that. No, she doesn't. She was too busy literally fighting in combat mm-hmm. while wearing red lipstick, which I think is the fucking coolest thing I literally that again, I've ever heard. Like, like Josephine and Boobies, I know we're being like, Romina's in like no, a but, bold lip, but here's the thing. But, that's, but those two things aren't like, oh, like they're women and that's all they amount to. It's like, here's the coolest fucking fact. Well, they do also- something like this, but they're also like, kick-ass people well yeah and it's just like i think it's just like an sort of an ode to like the fact that like like i said it's so i think it's so difficult for women to sort of be represented as like complex and like yeah. multifaceted and like all of these things when in reality that's what all of us are yeah like we all have different wants and likes and like and goals and all of these things and i think we so often are sort of given this one one dimensional i mean you know things are starting to change fortunately but like we've we've been sort of given this one dimensional female character you get to be one or the other yeah you get to be feminine or you get to be the you know 
a a boy's girl. You know, yeah. there's like we hear it from the beginning. Are you a yeah. girly girl or a tomboy? Like yeah. those were things that we were asked as kids. And so I think like sort of the fact that we're sort of focusing on these feminine aspects of them is because we see those parts in ourselves and then we see them doing amazing things on top of it. Yeah. It's the idea of how intersexual feminism aren't just like Ooh, one thing or the other or this or that you're a whole bunch of things and your identity isn't as simple as one of those facets yeah and that's why like intersectional feminism is is super cool and very important that we're we're learning yeah. as a society yeah we're trying <laughs> hashtag i love you all hashtag i'm gonna haunt you forever though <laughs> hashtag if you hear a bump in the night it's nana hashtag ha- ghost emoji <laughs> hashtag steven i know you're gay just come out to everyone else hashtag <laughs> Hashtag we all experiment in college. It's okay. Ooh, can you imagine? <laughs> uh, you know where my brain went? Is my brain went to the cops reading Miranda rights in hashtags. You hashtag have the right to remain silent. <laughs> I don't know why my brain went there and it's terrible. <laughs> hashtag hashtag anything you rights. say, Cam, and will be held against you in a hashtag court of law. <laughs> hashtag you have the right to attorney. <laughs> hashtag if you cannot afford one. Hashtag one will be appointed to you. One point emoji appointed to you. And the message of this whole comedic bit know your rights, people. Know your rights. <laughs> Go vote. And, um,. Just uh, just be cool. Just do girly things. Oh yeah, put on a bold lip. Put on a. Here is the thing we have learned from all of this. Put on a bold lip. Let your boobies out and go into battle. Mm. We'll see you next week. Well, Um, hear you next week. Well, maybe. Bye. You'll hear me next week. Unfortunately for you. Bye. Bye.